0: Hey, it's Canzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more, and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast. A
1: production of John Canzano's Baldface Truth.
0: Portland Timbers have terminated the club's corporate partnership with Debella their biggest sponsor. We'll get to that later in the show. Uh, Allegations yesterday of misconduct at that company in a court filing that went public. Timbers uh, say that they and a third party conducted a vetting process and uh, the decision was rooted, the team says, in the responsibility that the MLS club has to fans, sponsors, partners, employees, and transparency. We'll get to all that a little bit later in the show. Our next guest is at the NFL Combine. Antoine Staley, frequent guest when he was at the Eugene Register Guard, now at the New York Daily News, joining us. Give us the scene at the Combine. What's that like?
1: Uh, It's a lot of uh, organized chaos, a tons of reporters, both kind of college and pro football colliding and, you know, it's great for me because obviously I covered both college and NFL for a variety for a long time. So this is like a dream for me. Like, I love draft season. It's like it's my favorite time of the year to be quite honest with you.
0: What are you looking for when you, Antoine? When you go to a, a combine, is it more of the interviews, or are you looking for you know metrics on players, or agents, or coaches, or all of the above, maybe?
1: Uh, Yeah, I don't need you know, the metrics that I don't necessarily care too much about because I watch a lot of film and watch a lot of college football. It's really trying to get to know the people, whether it be agents or, you know, the players themselves, too. I mean, they're out there. They're they're trying to get their name recognized as well and, you know, getting to know the teams that are interviewing them and things of that nature, too. And also the general managers and coaches because they're out there, you try to get a grasp of what they're thinking going into the off season too, as well. But, yeah, I think it's just a combination of a lot of different things that you try to, you know, analyze and get agreed on while you're out here.
0: NFL invited 321 prospects to attend, uh, 95 different college programs represented. Of course, the headlines, Antoine, uh, came down to Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels. How did that go over, the news that those guys weren't going to uh, – going to uh, throw, in, in throw in front of scouts?
1: Well, John, you know as you know, like the top quarterbacks typically don't necessarily throw at the combine. They usually wait to the pro dates them because it's more of a controlled environment. They know the receivers. They know the personnel that's going to be there. And it makes them look better as opposed to the NFL combine where, you know, it's going to be less of a controlled environment for them. You don't necessarily throw at the combine unless you're trying to up your stock. Taylor Williams doesn't need to up his stock. I mean, he's going to be the number one player taken, Nobody, if it's the Bears or somebody else that comes in and they trade for him. You know, Jaden Daniels, I think he's either two or three, you know, depending on who you ask. Some people think he might go to Washington Uh, at worst. I think he's going to go to New England. So those guys are pretty much set. But I think everybody else, like, you got a guy like Bowdenis or a guy like, you know, Michael Penis Jr. or, you know, J.J. McCarthy, those guys that need to improve their stock so they can continue to climb up the ladder. And, you know, they have a lot to prove, too, as well.
0: As you talk to people, I'm curious what what uh, the perception of Bo Nix is at this point. He obviously has some some work to do in winning over uh, G- GMS and scouts. But what are people saying about Bo Nix at the combine?
1: I was talking to some people uh, starting at the Senior Bowl and even at the combine, and you know, I talked to a person from ESPN, and they could kind of compare him to Jimmy Garoppolo, kind of a little bit more of a mobile Jimmy Garoppolo. And what, whatever you might think, Jimmy Garoppolo's had a nice career but that seems like to be the uh, complement to Bo I think he, you know, really improved his stock coming into Oregon, and I was there when, you know, he first transferred and had that electric uh, spring practice, you know, there, the spring game, and, you know, I think that really set him off the motion for the next couple of years. You know, just just for him to be in the conversation to be potentially drafted in the first round, I think it speaks volumes of just the growth that he's made, but you know, I don't know. I think him being older, obviously, is a little bit of a red flag for some of the teams there, too, as well, and that might scare some teams off from taking them in round one. But, you know, I think he could be a bit surprised there in round two, sort of like what you had with, you know, Will Levis last year from Kentucky. And I think the same thing with Michael Pennis junior too as well. I think for me, I I would take him in the first round. But at the same time, I think people have questions about, you know, his medical is going to have to be the big key for him, obviously with the multiple season ended injuries. And, of course, his age is also a concern.
0: Now, you watch a lot of film. The NFL teams watch a lot of film. They've seen hours and games and hours. They've got so much film on Caleb Williams and Michael Penix. They, they know who they are as football players. So, so what are they looking for in the combine? Are they, are they looking for guys they haven't seen, or are they looking for validation, or what does the combine do for NFL teams?
1: Well, for, for Caleb Williams and, again, Dayton Daniels, I think teams just want to know, get to know the person like during the interview. You just want to see if there's somebody that you can that can lead your franchise because you're, you're gonna have to. These quarterbacks you're gonna hand the key to your franchise. For guys like JJ McCarthy who asked some questions there. Bo Nitz and obviously Michael Penix Jr. They're a different class where they want to see one, you know, the intangibles what they get able to do in an uncontrolled environment. With Penix, I think it's been a big question about, you know, can he play without a clean pocket? I think we kind of saw that, you know, come to fruition in the Michigan game where, you know, he struggled and threw a few interceptions. You know, Bo Nitz there's just some of the, you know, intangibles and can he continue to grow? Which I think he kind of saw in Oregon as well. But yeah, I think it depends on the prospect. Uh, one prospect is different than another, but it just depends on the player and, you know, where they're slotted at coming into the combine.
0: Antoine Staley is our guest. New York Daily News covers the NFL and the New York Jets. I gotta ask you, what are Jets fans, what do they want in this draft? And and what do the Jets need to do to get better?
1: Offensive line That's been the big thing too as well. So, yeah, they they want somebody to uh, protect Aaron Rodgers who's coming off an Achilles injury and he's 40 years old and will be 41 coming into next year, uh, going into next year too as well. So they're looking at all different types of offensive linemen, also some skill position players, you know, maybe that can help Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall too as well. So I think those are the best two things that they're looking at. I think Fuaga, you know, from Oregon State, somebody that you, you're you familiar with too as well, I think he would be a great fit for them, especially at right tackle, considering the Jets be both in left right, and right tackle. But you can plug him in there, and I think he'll be a starter there for the next 10 or 12 years. But, yeah, they definitely need a ton of offensive line help. They need three starters on the line, which is a lot going into the offseason.
0: Give me an idea on guys like Russell Wilson and Justin Fields and, you know, where they end up. How does that in your mind shape what else is going to happen in the draft?
1: Well, I think that's the dominoes effect, too, especially with Justin Fields. I think that's the top story going into the combine. Everybody wants to know where he's going to go and what the Bears are going to do. I think consensus believes the Bears are going to trade him. Uh, I think they didn't necessarily do anything to dispel that when they spoke on Tuesday. It's just a matter of when they decide to do it. I think they have two weeks in order to figure something out simply because... you know, the the NFL uh, free agency is coming about in two weeks. So teams need to know what they're going to decide to do. So, yeah, I think, you know, as far as Justin Fields, I think Atlanta would be a good option, Pittsburgh there too as well. If you look at Russell Wilson there, it's pretty much, you know, signals like he's going to get cut. So I think Pittsburgh would be a good option for him too as well. So because the Steelers are a good foundation, Mike Tomlin, he continues to find ways to win and get teams to the playoffs. I mean, you look at, you know, a guy like Mason Rudolph, (laughs) and he found a way to win games with him. So, you know, there's no reason to think, even with Russell Wilson not being in his prime, that he can't do the same thing with him.
0: Antoine Staley, our guest, New York Daily News. We watch a guy like Brock Purdy get taken last, Mr. Irrelevant, and yet he takes a team to a Super Bowl. Does that change or recalibrate? How any classification of player is viewed, meaning, you know, do do uh, do NFL GMs suddenly go, well, if you don't get Caleb Williams or Jaden Daniels, maybe you can wait on a quarterback and get a get a good college quarterback who's got some experience. Am I going too far with that, or is that kind of thinking going to infect this draft?
1: No, you're you're not wrong. I think it depends on the team too. It depends on like what are the needs of your team. Like, you look at a team like the Houston Texans where last year a lot of people thought, oh, there's no way that a guy like C.J. Stroud was going to come in and produce and also lead the team to the playoffs. But, yeah, we were all wrong, and we didn't feel like they had the infrastructure to do that. But they certainly did, and uh, we we they uh, we saw what they looked like too. But we also saw a team like the Carolina Panthers with Bryce Young, and they didn't have the infrastructure around them. They lacked wide receivers, they lacked the offensive line, they lacked other skill position players around him, and we saw the you know the effects of to that too. So yeah, I think it, you don't know, you shouldn't have to force yourself to take a quarterback. It's okay, like if you're not in love with a guy, you know, take the best available player. There's nothing wrong with if the Patriots decide to take Marvin Harrison Jr., who I think is the best player in the draft and then try to figure out the quarterback situation later, whether it be a stopgap guy or Michael Pennis junior in the second round and just roll with that instead of just trying to make themselves fall in love with a guy maybe like Drake May who has some questions too. But, yeah, I, I think you can wait on the quarterback. It's just a matter of, like, who are you in love with and how much you uh, invested in the quarterback situation and what your team's overall structure looks like.
0: Sometimes you, we're going to see drafts that, that have a lot of activity. They have teams at the top who may not have a need – who move back try to collect extra assets. Do you expect that the top of this draft will stay as is? Are you hearing that there will be movement that, you know, some teams may try to move back? What do you think will will happen between now and the draft?
1: Oh, I think it's going to be some movement too as well. I mean, you got a team like the Bears. I mean, they have they can control the draft because they have two first round uh, two picks in the top 10. So I definitely think it's going to be some movement there with Chicago, uh, whether it be at one or, you know, you look at, you know, also at number nine too as well. They could also move back and get uh, players around Caleb Williams or whoever the quarterback is going to be. You know, the Jets, I think you're a candidate to move down too as well. They don't have a second-round pick due to the Aaron Rodgers trade last year. So you look at a team like that. The team like that could possibly move up, maybe the Raiders, you know, they definitely need a quarterback in a worst way. Ain't O'Connor Connor is a good – I think – you know, stopgap guy, guy, career backup, but they need a, you know, bona fide quarterback. And I don't know if you're not in love with J.J. McCarthy, maybe you decide, yeah, you go put all your chips in and try to get a Jaden Daniels or, you know, a Drake May early in the top three, too, as well. And then the Giants are right there at six too, which it's kind of an odd situation where they might have a quarterback fall to them, but then again, it's not necessarily guaranteed, too, as well. And there's a lot of questions with Daniel Jones you know, in his future there. But, yeah, I definitely think you're going to see tons of movement, especially in that top 10 to 15 range. And, you know, it's going to be a fun time, especially in a draft that's loaded with talent.
0: Give me an idea. The You know, the Aaron Rodgers injury was unfortunate. I think a lot of people were excited to see how that was going to go for the Jets, and it kind of cast a pall over the whole season. But how does this feel now, Antoine, as you head into Season 2 with a guy who's rehabbed and, you know, it it does it have a more settled feeling? Still questions. What's the what's the narrative right now on Aaron Rodgers?
1: On oh, him, it's like it's a lot of unknown because you got a guy that suffered a really major injury at the age that he is, and. You know, I don't think it's as many questions with him that per se, although you, you wonder about how long he can continue to play at a high level. But I think there's bigger questions with the organization, whether it be head coach Rafa Sala and also general manager Doug Douglas. Uh, Woody Johnson, the owner uh, earlier this month at the NFL uh, honors, meet, uh, honors Award show. Like, talked about how he voiced his displeasure and how angry he was about how, finish in, how they finished 7-10 and once again. And I, what I've been told just by multiple people, they have to win. They have to make the playoffs, and even that might not be enough to save their job. They have to be able to get far. They put all their chips on the table to try to get and acquire Aaron Rodgers. They got a mulligan last year uh, He after he suffered his Achilles tear, four plays into the season opener. They won't get that once again, so they're going to have to fortify some positions there. Otherwise, it could be Wholesale changes, not only with Sala and Douglas, but if they end up changing coaches and general managers, that's probably spelled the end of Aaron Rodgers and might end his career, quite frankly. Yeah. It
0: was it was such a weird year, though, and I, I almost feel like it was a lost year for the Jets because the, their entire plan disintegrated on opening night within, you know, a first series, and, and suddenly it was gone. And what has Sala been like? Because all season long, the, the shots of him on the sideline, he didn't look happy. He you know, he looked disgusted at other times. It wasn't going how he thought it was gonna go. It must have felt like a really long long year for him.
1: A bad dream. It felt like a bad dream. This four plays in, I don't know if you saw his face as soon as the went down, he was like, Yeah, oh crap, like I this is exactly like, this is not what I had in mind because they, they expected the Aaron Rodgers to play the entire year. Like for them it was kinda like Zach Wilson would take a back seat, he would be red shirted, he wouldn't play, and Aaron Rodgers would get all the snaps, and You know, four plays in, oh, well, Zach Wilson, you're the starter once again. And, you know, it became the same thing like it was in 2022 where they had a great defense, the offense uh, struggled, and they had no plan uh, whatsoever. So Salah, I mean, I think he knows I, I think he knows like what it is now. Like they know the pressure is on and they have to win and they have to win. You have to make the playoffs and but they're gonna have to have some kind of plan in order to make that happen. Last year they just put all their eggs in the Aaron Rodgers basket. They cannot do that once again. They're gonna have to find some kind of plan just in case. A forty year old quarterback with forty year old players tend to get hurt in sports no matter where you're covering them, unless you're LeBron James, who's pretty much indestructible. Uh, but, yeah, you're going to have to find a way to, you know, overcome that because other teams around the league have been able to overcome injuries. Why can't the Jets do the same thing?
0: What happens to Zach Wilson?
1: They always trade. Like, they've already said that they've given his agent permission to seek a trade. I expect that to happen uh, possibly in the next couple of weeks too as well. I don't know what they might get for him. Maybe a seventh-round pick too, a uh, seventh-round pick. If they can't get anything for him, then I think they'll fly out and release some Either last season and his, he voiced his displeasure even trying to he didn't want to come back and um, become the starter once again late in the year there was no way he was going to return i think a trade by both sides would be the best best for zach wilson
0: now the nfl players association released the uh, findings in their player survey about working conditions and you know how how the teams treat families and. Um, you know, it's it's a little all over the place. Um, you know, the Dolphins have the best working conditions. The Commanders are last. I was a little surprised at what the the players of the Chiefs had to say. But what jumped out to you, Antoine, as you as you saw the results of that survey?
1: Yeah, I mean the Chiefs older. Like you know, the, the Hunt family got an F. Like yeah, I was. I was shocked by that because they've had the success uh, recently, too. And also, you know, you look at the Chiefs, you know, in the locker room. The locker rooms also got to have, too. The dietitian's got to have. So the Chiefs may be champions in a lot of different ways, but it goes to show you, like, even the best teams uh, can overcome bad working conditions. And that's what Kansas City does. It, it, it waits, it's wonders that. You know, you have a great quarterback like Patrick Mahomes and a tremendous coach, Andy Reid. And then, you know, people kind of, you know, forget about some of the bad things that go around in your organization. But it happens. But yeah, I was definitely shocked at some of the grades, especially, you know, that one stuck out to me the most, especially with the ownership. Because I would think, you know, the Hunt family has been, you know, a pioneer family. They met to the AFL days. But, yet they get, they got an
0: Yeah, and I looked at that. It jumped out at me. And then I saw – you know, it's been a long-running debate on this show. Like, I say you have to have good ownership, good leadership. Is it possible that a great coach and a great quarterback overcome bad ownership? And and how do you, you know, is does that give Jets fans hope?
1: Yes, I think so, too. I mean, even if you look at team like, I know Cincinnati kind of struggled this year, especially with Joe Burrow and the injuries. But, you know, you look at traditionally the last few years, I mean, they've had – you know, good teams as well. And, you know, the Brown family is exactly the model of uh you know, as far as ownership there, too, as well. but And then you even look at the team like the Steelers. Like the Steelers didn't necessarily get great grades either, but, you know, I think people tend to believe they have good ownership, too, as well. But if you're able to have a great coach and, you know, a great quarterback, then none of this really matters. Like I think Bill Parcells said it's like the ultimate – winning is the ultimate deodorant. So, yeah, as long (laughs) as you're winning, I don't think necessarily people will uh, care about, you know, what goes on in, you know, the locker room or what they're eating. You know, they just care about, you know, wins and losses, especially with ticket prices continue to rise and the amount of money the NFL teams are making these days.
0: All right, I got two more questions. One, selfishly, 49ers window to compete. Can they get back? Can they get another shot to win a Super Bowl in this era?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. As long as Kyle Shanahan is the coach, then, you know, they're going to have their window is wide open. I mean, he's a, you know, offensive genius. I just think he needs to continue to, you know, work on his, you know, game management skills a little bit.
0: I also think about the Buffalo Bills. So much talk about, hey, it was their last chance. If they weren't going to get by the Chiefs this year. They're never going to get by them. And yet, um, I think Buffalo Bills fans are saying, just wait till next year. Um, how how close or far away is Buffalo? And do they have to blow it up and and make some changes? Or can they run the same thing back out there next season?
1: I don't think they have to blow it up. I think as long as they have Josh Allen, their window is there. However, they're going to have to they need to get some skill, better skills position players around it. You can't allow Josh Allen just to just be Superman. And I think we've seen that throughout the course of whether you talk about the playoffs or in regular season games where he'll play hero ball and just throw you know, ridiculous passes. And I think that's kind of why you saw when the change was made to Joe Brady, they went, relied a lot more on James Cook in the running game, and I think they need to continue to do that. And also get a compliment to Stefan Diggs, too, as well. And, you know, I, t- I was talking to a Bills reporter today, and I thought Troy Franklin, you know, from Oregon would be a great, you know, compliment to them, uh, somebody that's a burner. We obviously know Josh Allen has a cannon of an arm, and they also need more playmakers too. They had Dalton Kincaid, who I think is going to be a stud too as well, Dawson Knox. You know, just continue to add more and more weapons. And I think, you know, they they had a, they played a really good game against Kansas City. It was just unfortunate that they weren't able to get the job done. And who knows what would have happened if, you know, if the field goal to you know they made the field goal in the game would have ended overtime. So I don't think they're far off too. I think long as Josh Allen is there, their window is going to continue to be uh, wide open. But they have to continue to improve as well.
0: Best 40 time among media members.
1: <laughs> well, I know it's not me, but I can get people on the big press.
0: <laughs> there you go. There you go. Stay there. Antoine, I appreciate you giving us your time, man. Good to hear your voice.
1: All right. Nice to hear you too, John. Uh, thank you.
0: All right. Take care. Antoine Staley. There he goes. New York Daily News. Uh, it should make the media members run 40s. Why not? They made Tom Brady do it. Leave it here. Our big splash. Big <laughs>